Hi there, and welcome to a revisit of Fiber News' very first podcast we did a number of years ago with then-franchise owner Matt Schmidt of Fiber News St. Charles, Missouri. Because this was our very first podcast, we'll ask that you bear with the audio quality and my interviewing skills at the time. We've come a long way since we did this episode. But those shortcomings aside, the impactfulness of this conversation and the breadth of the extremely valuable information that Matt shared in this podcast still make it one of our most compelling episodes to date. That's why we wanted to reissue it, dust it off, and bring it back into rotation for you to listen to and no doubt glean a whole bunch of information from. About Matt, he once owned a franchise with us and did really, really well at it. He had some early bumps in his career, which you'll hear him talk about, but he overcame all of that and built a really strong franchise that helped put his kids through college, that he bought commercial property with, and that he consistently generated $28,000 to $30,000 a month with. He eventually sold his franchise for a handsome sum and then used that money he made in Fibernew to start a car wash business and bought more real estate with. Two things he accomplished because he did all the right things and had the proper mindset when he was operating his Fibernew business. Matt shared a lot in this conversation and we went deep on a lot of topics, including how he always started his day early and got a jump, how he hired an upholsterer and a part-time admin person and how that mix worked perfectly. How he remained a student of his business and his craft and consistently and constantly sought out learning opportunities from reading and contributing to the tech library, which we now call Hive, to talking to his fellow franchisees and to attending seminars and talking to the support team. His degree of curiosity was always high. We talked about the customers in his territory and how diversified he was across multiple markets. We talked about job route optimization and how he could squeeze in as many jobs as possible into a day. We talked about the concept of having fiber new swagger and how to develop that. We talked about how he paid himself and his employees. We talked about pressure and stress and how to use those as your ally to push and drive yourself forward. You're gonna hear common sense, logical and straightforward advice that all worked in contributing to Matt's success as a franchise owner. P.S. If you listen to this podcast and you like it, and you think that maybe one of your fellow fiber buds would enjoy it, please share it with them. This podcast is absolutely timeless and can be listened to over and over again and shared within our community of franchisees. We hope you enjoy listening in. And if you have any comments or questions for Matt, leave them as a comment in Hive and we'll let Matt know as we stay in contact with him today. Thanks for listening in. Take good care. Cheers. Just as a warm-up and a, and a place to start, how was your day? Oh, <laughs> that's how crazy it is. I got to look at my calendar. <laughs> is that right? See. Yes, I seriously do. Uh, I got a lot going on. Uh, where was I at? Oh, I started my day early, about 7.15. I had to go down. That's part of working around people's schedule. I'd much rather go early than, especially when they're far away from home. Not far away, but they're down in the city uh, mm-hmm. from me. Um, much easier to get there early in the morning, so... Got there at 7.15, and then I did a, uh, a repair for a, a furniture. Uh, it's an independent guy that sells furniture, and I do a lot of his work. Then I had to go down to the uh, Four Seasons and do some repairs down there, about 14 chairs, and then pick up two couches we're reupholstering. And then I had to go to, after that, I went down to um, another customer. Uh, another This is for a different furniture store. And uh, and do some work on their new recliner. I came back kind of kind of kind of bugged out uh, this afternoon. I was working on the building. Tell us about that. I mean, you you recently purchased a building, and, and you're going to 
operate on, on the main level, and then you've got a mix of residential up, upstairs and in a separate building. Can you just tell us about that? Yeah, I tell you, it's, uh, we're always looking, my wife and I, you know, and we just came across and we both, you know, I pulled it up on a Sunday morning and, and I left early. I usually go do a little bit of work and I came back and, and uh, she had it pulled up and we found this building and I was thinking, well, this is, seems pretty good deal. And uh, it's in our town, just right down by historic St. Charles. We, we were able to, to secure an appointment. Luckily, we called when we did because they already shown it before us. And so we bought it, and I'm going to move my fiber new. I've been leasing, leasing my space down on Newtown Boulevard for uh, three years. Love my, love my landlord. It's a nice building. It's great traffic flow, although I don't really care about uh, exposure. Just a great building, great tenant, uh, great landlord. Couldn't ask for any more. Very reasonable rent, but too good of an opportunity to, to pass up. And so we're moving January 1st. Yeah, we're going to be on the first floor. And uh, a little bit of remodeling, the, the front part of it, I have to move a tenant out, so it was fully leased. It has a, a garage on the back of it. It's all connected. You know, you can walk through the building to get to it, but the previous owner was just using this oversized two-car two garage just for herself, just for storage, lawnmower, what have you. So that's what I was doing today. I had to, We have to put a parking lot in. i got to have access to the door, and we're digging and putting rock in, running conduit for uh, power gates and and last couple of days, I've had a guy tearing out, just stripping it, um, get the electrician, the plumber, and put my slop sink in. Just get it ready. It's basically just going to be a spray booth for me, and okay. and then my workbench for my, you know, all my dyes and stuff. That's it's really nice. It's it's kind of like, you know, when you when you buy your first house, you think everything's great, you know. Then you when you go buy your second house, you like. You look for stuff you hate it in your first house. <laughs> then yeah, yeah, then yeah, you yeah. go you go buy your third house. You're like, well, I hated this in my first second house. So what's cool about being started in my garage? You know, it's all a learning process. I, you know, garage was great, and then when I moved out, man, my business really took off. I didn't think it would. It's kind of a leap of faith. So I had to move out because my my neighbors retired, the people coming over. But um, I was nervous, really nervous. But it, boy, it, it was a blessing in disguise. And then. Um, so I went down and got that set up, and then now that I'm going in this one, it's, you know, hopefully I, I kind of, you know, I, I take the positives from the first two, put it in this one. Right. You you're, you have a full-time upholsterer, so they'll have their shop set up in there. And then, as you said, it's kind of a, a display area for you, I guess, or a small work area, because you do most of your work still out in the field. I'm, uh, I have 1,500 square feet, at least now. Okay. And she takes, uh, I put it to your basic, you know, I don't know, 25 by whatever 60 or whatever building and so i came back about 15 foot put a wall up you know put a drop ceiling in it and made it nice for her and then went with a door so i could separate her and me working because she's you know working with new material she doesn't need to be doing i'm back there so that <laughs> i have a space next to me that had never been able to rent this, this building is about eight years old and it's just got a really weird sized door. They messed up with the way the utility came in. So they got like about a six foot wide garage door on it. So I don't know if that's the reason, but they can never rent it. Thank goodness for me because I'll be quite honest with you. I am so stacked sometimes in my, I probably still got 1200 square feet, 1250 square foot of warehouse space that I can't okay. really move around. So I have yeah. to literally overflow into my neighbor, uh, the, sure. the empty spot next door. Yeah, for sure. So, no, that, I, would, I do do a lot of stuff out in the field, but I, I do always have a shop full, either what I'm getting ready for her. So the, the system I do is I come in, I, I get the furniture. I start early, 
first appointment is usually not till 8.30 or 9. And so I get in. She starts at 7. And um, so I get there at 6.30 or so. And then if I got, you know, panel replacements or something that I have to take apart, I usually don't make her take much apart. Um, so I'll have it taken apart and stripped, and I'll have her um, take it apart afterwards, you know, like rip the seam out, pull the bad panels out, and then I'll have her. I usually keep about 10 to 15 leather hides in stock of various uh, feels and textures so I could pretty good match. And, you know, just walk over and we grab and she digs through and finds something that matches really good. Then she'll cut it out for me, you know, after she has the pattern. And she'll cut the new one out for me. And then I like to re-dye everything before she sews it back in. It's a really clean look especially if it has decorative thread, a different color, uh, you know, top stitch. Right. So that's what I do in the morning. Then I go out and run my appointments all day. And then the next morning I might put it back. Or if I'm really busy, she's getting good enough where I can have her just reassemble. No, most, I, I do a lot of, um, got a shop full generally. I have this building full. This building's a little bit bigger than my other one. But, um, yeah, I, I, I sleep good when it's full. <laughs> <laughs> can you describe a little bit of the makeup of your territory in terms of the mix of businesses, maybe some residential demographics. Give us the lay of the land of what St. Charles is like. St. Charles is, I'd say, be more of a blue-collar community, um, very conservative, not free spenders. It's, we're a suburb of St. Louis. A lot of young, it's, you know, people move out this way. I'm an older St. Charles, been here for, you know, 200 years, but you keep getting west us, past us west, and it just, it just you know, Cheaper ground, flat ground, readily available. So it's just a lot of young families building, you know, starter or maybe the next move up home. Um, mm-hmm. Your typical three-bedroom, two-car garage, you know, 1,500 square foot. That's, that's, that's mm-hmm. pretty much lays out the whole St. Charles County territory. I don't get a lot of work from them. I'll be quiet. Say, when I first, and I don't know if that's good or bad, but they're very conservative. They, they're I don't know why I want to use the word frugal, but it's just, it's just their mindset here, and they don't buy expensive furniture here. And you don't necessarily have to have expensive furniture to use fiber new, but when you're, when you're buying mid, mid-range, they just don't repair it much. And so my territory is so big. I do do a lot of business work in St. Charles. I don't do a ton of residential, and you would think I would because of it's like uh, it's 300,000 people. It's big. I mean, and it's um, and it's in in this area here, St. Charles County always leads building permits every year. But it's a lot of starters, it's a lot of young families don't have a lot of disposable income. You know, they're buying either got some hand-me-down or buying. You know, they're starting their family, so they're not buying the the nicer leather sofas that we're doing the repairs on. It just and but I, it doesn't take a huge territory to stay busy though. I I got um, around here. It's called West County, Clayton. But do those are higher end areas, professionals, they keep us something. Um, but it's also in my territory. So my territory is just not St. Charles. I'm actually, I actually have as much or more territory in St. Louis County. I had West County, which is part of St. Louis County. Um, right. They get real, real, uh, uh, really imaginative down here with naming counties. So we got North County, <laughs> South County, uh, West County, and St. Charles. <laughs> they, they really put a lot of thought into that. But West County uh, is where, you know, everybody has those communities in their, in their area. But, you know, the professionals and they got, you know, that's the place to live, really. For sure. Inside of your territory, what, what's the, the mix of business that you're doing in terms of, you know, so much percentage in, in the residential or maybe we'll, we'll refer to it as consumer as opposed to commercial 
et cetera. Can you just explain the, the makeup of your clientele? Um, you know, and I think, we, you know, in, in the past, over the times we've talked here or there, you know, you know that I'm not one that uh, relies a lot on uh, statistics <laughs> and, you know, yeah. uh, demographic. I, I, don't, I, just don't, I just don't do it. So I'm going to throw some of these. Gra- I, just, I just work. And um, the, uh, I would say, you know, it's it, different days, but if I had to put a number on it, I would say, like, just people using me, you know, just call me up either from a referral or um, something like that, you know. Uh, for, I would say 30 to 35%. Um, I'm always running them every day. And now that I'm going in my, I'm in my sixth year, uh, the referral business is really, really drives everything. Rather it be, you get referrals in business as well. And then, so I'd say 35%. Um, and then on the, on the residential side, private side, then I probably would say I do probably about another 35% in medical. And then I'd say I would do uh, the other 30% would be, as I think I said 30, did I say 35 and 35? Yeah. So probably the other 30% would probably be like, um, Restaurants, uh, booths, okay. maybe some. And I don't do a lot of boats, although I'm right by a big boating area. We do more upholstery in boats. I do small repairs on boats, and then I do your occasional plane here or there. But uh, okay. we do a lot of a uh, lot of restaurants. A lot like uh, I think there's uh, 65 restaurants, uh, 65 Arby's in this area, and I'm hooked up with them. From one, does this franchise this franchisee is actually bigger than their Arby's franchisee, but they're actually bigger. Than Arby's, it'd be like my business I built here at Fiber New St. Charles is so big, I would dwarf Fiber New International. But this franchisee has them all over the country. It's it's uh, what is it called? It's called a U.S. Beef. Believe it or not, is the name of their franchise, okay. and they own Arby's. How did you get started with them? Did it just start with one restaurant? How did it all begin? He and. Andy, uh, his name is Andy. Sometimes they got to find you. I'll be quite honest with you. You can cold call yourself to death. I picked up a lot of work that way. But to this day, some of my biggest customers found me through AdWords. Um, that's how Andy okay. found me from Arby's. And, um, yeah, so that, that worked out. And then, you know, they always tried a little cautiously at first and see how you're going to do, you know, because there, there's a few of us and there's guys in town here that that's all they do is restaurants, booths, you know, remake them and what have you. So, but uh, now it's pretty much uh, I got the green light for as long as it's not over $1,000, do it. Anything over a thousand, get approval. And they just call you when they need you, I guess, or do you have a set schedule saying like you know every every Tuesday I'll be here? Excuse me, email. Okay. No, he he don't he don't. I don't I don't do like a maintenance type deal with them. Um, so I'll tell you, for instance, what he says. He says um, he'll go. Uh, I have one repair for you at store eighty two fifty three. He'll give me the address. He says, can I get a price of your remaining booth replacement at store seventy six fifty four? which is at, you know, you know, so that's how I get my stuff from him. He just drops an email and I email him back okay. and then I take it from there, fill it by the store number. Great. And I'm guessing those come in on a weekly basis, right? I mean, you're, you're getting a few of those a week or they know they run in spurts. Sometimes I won't hear from him for a month and another month. He'll want me to go do 50 things, 50 booths, you know, 12 here, remodel, do this, you know, so it runs in spurts. And that, that, that kind of leads me back to where you asked me about percentages of what I do. Mm-hmm. And that's why I do that. And that's a perfect example. So if I had all my eggs in one basket, you know, I just don't, all my eggs are not in one basket here because, you know, a, a dry spell with him or, or uh, budget constraints this quarter. I mean, I work for a lot of hotels where, man, do they need me. 
and they use me. But they they can't sometimes they can't you know maybe it's coming they they their money's spent for the second quarter and we're in May I may not get nothing from them in July till July so right. you know I always I just spread everything around I do restaurants I do medical facilities I do gyms you know um, cars and I do I do do a couple of car dealers but I just feel like I don't like to specialize in one industry and that's I just don't and it's I think it's paid dividends for me. Uh, it's important and, and it's smart to be as diversified as possible. So when you talk about a third, a third, a third, so a third in, in restaurant work, a third in medical, let's just dissect that a little bit in terms of how you started with that uh, and was there a snowball effect and how, how does the medical work work for you right now? Oh, medical's great. Um, again, they're, they're hit or miss too and, and you know, everybody thinks, you know, there's, there's I think how many I, I got, um, I'm going to say I got, I think I got five big hospitals in my territory. Even like Ray, who's my, you know, south of me in his territory, our territory is such, Ray's got, Ray's probably got three big ones. Um, there's a lot of hospitals here. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad, but I, I tell you how I got started. I do more of the rehab. I do a little bit for the hospitals, but as far as like um, your physical therapy stores, there was one right up the street from me. He called me and I went in there and it was a, a whole new table. You know, it couldn't be repaired, so we recovered it. And he's like, that looks great, Matt. He says, I'm going to throw your name out. And he goes, it's fact, we're getting some more work. And, you know, because the thing, and I don't know if it's everywhere, but here in St. Louis or St. Charles, you could have a huge hospital. Okay, and you're like, oh, man, I went in here. You know, I nailed it. Great price. Looks beautiful. They're thrilled. Well, she won't even tell the person across the hall. It's like all these departments down here don't talk to each other. They're, it's like huh. they all fend for themselves. They just don't. Huh. So you think like, okay, I'm in the system. I'm, you know, I'm registered, and no, nope, that ain't the way it works. So it's like you think you're in, you, you are, and you aren't. But I got news for you. You only got to be in with really one. There's no way I can handle if they all decide to give me work. I could hire ten techs. I so far I couldn't keep up. So <laughs> you know, it, it, you just couldn't. I mean, these are huge. I mean, the one. One hospital down here that, that, you know, I told you I had five hospitals. There's one hospital down here that's not in anybody's territory that's just doing a, a $1 billion expansion of their campus. And that's not even in anybody's territory. So that's just tell you how they, they spend money down here. I don't know why, but on, on hospitals. But, so I got in with Bill at the physical therapy. And then, you know, like, for instance, I can get – they're actually with a, a, a hospital system called SSM. I could get – work orders. I do. I get work orders from four to five different people from SSM, from different department heads. And they don't even probably know I'm working for the other ones. And it's the same wow. with another hospital system in, in my, in, in my system, because I'll, I'll tell them, I mean, they'll, cause I, I'll get like for Mercy. Mercy is actually a bigger hospital system than, than um, SSM around here. And, and so I'll have someone from Mercy call me for, they want to get a price. Like they don't know who I am. And they just got, they found me. Oh, you know, you know, I said, you know, I'm, Oh, I said, oh, I do a lot of work for Mercy. I work for so-and-so and so-and-so. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I know her. Sometimes they don't even know them. But then that kind of like, okay, then I'm in. They don't really, you know, as long as it's, you know, you get the feel for what pricing you can get. It's, it's, just, it's just different. But so that's how I got in. And then eventually the departments do talk to each other or there's a supervisor. Like that's what's cool about the physical therapy as opposed to working in the hospital because you might have one, one lady or gentleman you know, who's in charge of eight clinics because they're satellite clinics. They're not actually at the hospital. Um, and then, so when you get in with those guys, then you really start getting the work rolling in. That's a very interesting concept. That it, it's not a matter of 
say facility to facility talking to one another, not talking to one another. It's even just like you said, across the hall from one another, not even knowing. Well, like, like you could have, you know, you could have the, the OB department and whatever, you know, yeah, they don't, they handle their offices internal. They don't generally, unless the hospital, it's different down here. I don't know if it's getting like that everywhere. A lot of the doctors sometimes are selling their practices to the hospital. Right. So, so then sometimes they got to go to a, a central place, but a lot of times they don't. Sometimes even when they do are owned by the hospital, their practice, they still just have the office manager take care of it. So you, you really have a bunch of clients inside of the hospital itself, a bunch of separate Correct. clients. I mean, they all get – so it goes yeah. to show that and – you, and you said it, you know, don't think that once you're in, you're in because there, there's, a, there's a whole lot more work to be, uh, to be found within a, a facility or hospital depending on the department. A ton. Okay. But it's good. But, you, but, but then you can name drop a little bit. It, it does help. It's kind of like you're, you're in and you can crack the door and you're, you're getting in. Then you go, oh, I, I work for so-and-so and I work for so-and-so and I've done this here for so-and-so. And then they're like, oh, okay. Well, then they'll listen to you. And then once you're in, what do you do? You know, I, I, you know, I always call the same guy to come do my stuff. Yeah, he may not be the cheapest. Yeah. I don't know. But it's just like it's very convenient. I know him. I don't have to, you know, screen him or hope he's going to do good and not feel comfortable with him. So I just, once I find a guy I like, I just use them. They're, they're humans. They do the same thing. Once they find, it, once they find a, a vendor they like, and as long as you're fair and you're not, you know, you're doing a good job, they're not going anywhere. So we talked about restaurants being a third, medical being a third, uh, just a little bit more on the, on the residential side. I, I guess we're doing mostly uh, leather furniture, or is there some, some you know, consumer-based automotive work in that, or just, just break that down for us a bit, too? I guess I should, I should probably, in the third of the residential, I was probably saying more furniture um, because okay. I do a lot of, uh, I do do automotive as well, but I do, um, I don't really do, I do a couple car lots. I might go a month without doing any. That's pretty much they call me when they got something. Um, I okay. don't, it's a one to four dealership, one to higher end, you know, it's, I don't really call on them, do weekly stops, but um, do a lot of, do a lot of panel replacements or I do a lot of just re-dye seats. That's a big thing in sports cars that bolsters always, you know, lose color and they, we touch them up quite a bit. But as far as my third of the furniture, I do a lot of work for furniture stores, a lot of service work. Like I'm set up with two furniture manufacturers, okay, actually three, where the okay, sales rep. Well, the Tootsie, Palliser, and then um, uh, Flexsteel. With Flexsteel, um, so this is how I got into Flexsteel. I'll just give you this one story. And this is part of my third, third of, of furniture. I was coming back from a residential furniture, and I stopped in this small store, furniture store. And the guy's about my age, or maybe a little younger. We hit it off pretty good. He started walking me around and asked me some questions. I didn't hear from him. You know how he's going to get everything when he walked out the door. And he was asking me questions, and he called me back about a week later. He said, hey, man, I got something for you. Come over and do it. And of course, it was a, <laughs> like, are you serious? You know, so I, I did it. You know, it was a, it was a time-consuming job, and, and, but we got it done. It was a panel replacement on something. <laughs> That's all it took. I've been working for those guys for three years. And he goes, okay, here's the deal, Matt. He goes, we sell a lot of flex steel. He says, if you want to do our work, you have to get set up with flex steel. He goes, I'll send you all the information, who to contact to be an approved, uh, you know, a tech for flex steel. So, so Chris, uh, his name's Chris. So Chris will send me, uh, a lot of times we text. He'll send me a text. Hey, boom, name, n nothing fancy, just name, address, 
And then he'll go, it'll be like a, he'll give me something like a 652-10 and a 54-6P. That means that's a style number, that's the fabric number. And then he'll give me a, an ACK number, which is an acknowledged number, which is everything I need to fill out my work order for FlexSteel. And the cool thing, the reason I had to get set up with FlexSteel was I build them direct. So once Chris sends me that text or an email, he's done. I schedule appointments, I build FlexSteel, and they pay me every week. So what do you think I did as soon as I got hooked up with FlexSteel? I, ca I called every other FlexSteel dealer in town. I got on the Internet. I said, well, heck, I did all that work for it. I'm not going to do it just for them. So now I'm set up with them. So I'm probably doing work for four other people now because of it, other furniture stores. And then uh, how I got hooked up with Palliser was uh, a higher-end furniture store in town, and they really liked me, and I still do their work today. They talked me up. His name's Matt. His the salesman for Palliser. His name's Matt too. They started telling all the Palliser uh, dealers in town to use me. So that's how I got into about three, two or three more furniture stores. I mean, he's pretty adamant too, man, because I actually did like six of his dining room chairs too for free, and uh, <laughs> which always helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you got to do. The guy buys material and he wants a blast. I was like, no charge, Matt. And uh, he goes, you sure? I said, don't worry about it. And um, but but I seriously, he's told, and I heard this back from uh, Leather's Interiors, who's a, a furniture store that sells nothing but leather furniture, and it's three ladies, and uh, they said uh, they said, oh yeah, we talked to Matt today. They said Matt Schneier. They're like, he said you use Fiber New until he tells you because they, they 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 had a problem that they didn't know if I, that didn't know I did it. He says you use Fiber New until they tell you they can't do it. That's kind of a strong referral from the. That's around. one of the best. You know, so yeah. And so you know, so he so he done it. He, so guess what? Now now from him, I'm in. You know, like I said, two, three. I don't remember four four other stores pal, who sell Palliser, and it's the same with Natutsi. I got hooked up with Natutsi. His name's Keith, the sales rep. So when you can really get in with the sales rep and you do, the, they start sending me work orders up to Columbia and stuff, which is you know hundred. It's not my territory, but the new guy Kevin. And uh, Fiber New um, Mid-Missouri. Fiber New yep. Mid-Missouri, I think it's his name. So I called up Kevin, and I called up my girl at um, Christine, uh, uh, Christy up at uh, Waters, and I, she sent me to work. I said, listen, I said, we got a guy up here. I said, and I know you guys sell just as much furniture up there. I said, well, I hook you two up. So Kevin's been doing a ton of work for him ever since then, too. So I try to, you know, spread it around when we can or hook other Good people up with them. Everybody looks at businesses different, but... They're humans too. They got the same issues as we do. They got a job to do too. And, and to me, it's like, hey, we're doing a good job for them. And I tell them there's another guy going to do a good job for them. It's pretty, you know, who wouldn't want to have that? You're, so, um, and then I do a lot of private, um, do a lot of service work for, uh, and the cool thing about, about, you know, hooking up with these furniture stores, yeah, it's $125. FlexSeal won't pay over 150 you know, if I get approval. You know, you okay. got to get rich in that. No, but you're in all these furniture stores. I don't know if everybody knows this, but your furniture only has one-year warranty, okay? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so guess who they call first when they have a problem with their furniture? Mm -hmm. The furniture store. And guess right. who the furniture store tells? They say, call FiberNew. He can take care of it for you. So you, so you kind of you do a little bit of your basic service stuff, billing work, 125-hour jobs. Like I said, you're not going to get crazy. You start getting a bunch of them. You can make money on them because you can book them in the same area. You know, maybe do five a day. You don't want to do it every day, but you know, sprinkle them in with some of your your higher paying three four hundred dollar jobs and, and make a good a good day out of it. But but you but man, 
like that leather's interiors I was telling you about. Oh my gosh, those girls give me some referrals. I make a lot of money out of that store. On I mean, and because when they're buying that nicer leather furniture at, at all these stores, and they paid four thousand dollars for a section or forty five hundred dollars for a section, they're gonna drop a little bit of money in it and redye the cushions. They just are, you know. It's it's and that's where you pick it up. So when you talk about doing the, the 120 or the 150 jobs, it's almost like we can approach it as a bit of a loss leader. It's not that we're losing money at that rate, but it, we could be making more money. But it's going to be making a lot more. Is, yeah, but it's what it leads into is the name of the game. That, that's, that's the whole point of it, right? You've got to look at the big picture, exactly. Yep. So, so I'm, a big, I'm a big baseball uh, a cliche guy here. So those are I would refer okay. to as singles. Those are all singles. Okay, sure. But out of those singles, sure. man, you're going to – you know, you're going to turn them into some extra bases or whatever. But you, you, I mean, the thing is, is, okay, go out and do two or three of them in the morning. You know, I don't start my day. I know I told you I, I my first appointment's at nine. I don't, I really try to book people earlier than that if I can. But it depends where they're at. It doesn't do me no good to have a person at 830 and I sit in traffic for 45 minutes. I might as well just push them back to nine to get more stuff done. So it kind of depends where they're at. Like, if I have a customer that's they're sending me far away, it might be 60 miles away, no, nobody's territory. They'll pay me some travel time, but I don't, I don't book that guy at 9 o'clock. I'll get there at 9, and if it's an hour, hour and a half job, all of a sudden it's 10.30, then to get back to my territory or back to Boima, all of a sudden it's noon. And you, I'm not, you know, and they're usually for an hour job, and I'm not getting 600 bucks for it. You know, it's for, it's for one of these things where, like I told you earlier, you got, it could be something for the Tootsie or, hey, man, we're in a pinch here. You know, you just can't break it off on these guys, you know. So sometimes yeah. that's another loss leader every so often. So, so what I do is I like, hey, how about 730? You know, oh, yeah, that's cool. A lot of times that's cool. I say, hey, man, I'm coming far away. I want to get there early. So don't tie me. I'm just honest with people. So don't tie up my whole day. So I get there at 730. I'm done at 830. And all of a sudden I'm back in town by 930 or 10. You know, not 12. You know, then I can still kind of absorb that. Yeah, it wasn't great. But I still got, you know, six hours to make some money here. You know, and I got that taken care right. of and got it out of the way early. So that's why I did Like you said, yeah, 830 or 9 in the morning, you've already padded your pockets and you have the whole day ahead of you. Is, is, yeah, I'm done. I, 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 you know. Didn't make a lot on that one. Didn't make yeah. a lot on that. You know, no, it's not really. It didn't make a lot, but let's 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 not compound the problem by tying up half your day doing it. Get it done right off the hop, and then you've got uh, get it done early and get back and make some money. Exactly. Good for you. Speaking of scheduling, and then the two thirds, or sorry, the three thirds of your business being uh, you know the residential uh, or consumer work, the restaurant work, and the medical work. One thing you and I talked about was the concept of every day always scheduling jobs where you know you're going to be paid on the spot and then slipping in the bigger jobs where that may take 30 to 60, 90 days to get paid. How do you approach all of that and how do you, how do you juggle that and make it work? Six months into this business, I was you know frustrated. I mean, I was doing work and it wasn't frustrated for that, but I, I learned a valuable lesson. I, I, I had a couple of decent-sized jobs given to me. And, you know, not really understanding cash flow. Um, I'm sitting there spending a lot of time doing these jobs. Uh, one was a big boat, and um, it was in a fire. 
redid all the seats. And right after that, I got like 50 plane seats or something like that, two-tone. You know, I wasn't that fast, you know. So all of a sudden, I'm working on this stuff for a couple, three weeks, you know, and, and I really wasn't doing anything, um, you know, like bringing in any money. And, you know, yeah, I'm making money, but when you're not getting the money, it doesn't feel like you're making the money, you know. Yeah, you were billing lots. You were, you were completing work and invoicing, but the, the cash flow wasn't there. Is that correct? The cash flow wasn't there. So, so, so when you're a brand-new business, you don't have a cash flow built up, you know. You're, most of the time you're yeah. just trying to just get the cash coming in. Well, I'm thinking, okay, I'm doing this, and I'm looking, and, and the cash flow just wasn't, wasn't coming in. I was making money, but, but I wasn't seeing it, I guess I should say. Okay. And, and I was frustrated. I called Kelly, and I was just really frustrated. And she, she, you know, I was telling her this, and I was telling her that, and, and she's just like, you know, smacking me right between the eyes. It's like, listen, you know, <laughs> you're too cheap. You know, you're too, too, I don't know. It just, it's, you know, I talked to her and we talked for like an hour and a half and she says, you're too cheap, Matt. You know, and I was, I was mad because this, you know, not only did I do that job, just like you said earlier, it was like 60 days out. I wasn't getting paid either. And, and I was just like, oh my gosh, I just feel like I'm working like crazy. I'm working tons of hours and I don't have any money coming in because I was doing all that. And, and she sat me down and, you know, then I was always nervous with, you know, I, I, and then I was doing the work I was getting. I was getting too cheap. I was doing it too cheap because I was afraid, you know, I got to, you know, I'm thinking I got to get some money coming in and, and jobs I probably now today being six years in, I would never have taken them. What I call is no win jobs. Um, some jobs you just got to know to say no to. And I wouldn't. So I'm working forever on that frustration it was building like crazy. And uh, so it's Kelly sat me down and says, listen, you're doing stuff too cheap. You know, you you know, just just really just didn't hold back and and you know, very very good. I mean, it's, it's still I still call her every so often. And just we 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 reflect back on that conversation. What a, what a, I don't and it just man, I just did like a one eighty, you know. And she's like, you know, she told me one thing about that that big client I did for the airline. She's like, hey, you know, I, I didn't want to call and, and you know get real demanding about the money because I wanted to get more work from them. You know, so it's. You know, she's like, hey, if they're not going to pay you for 60 days, why do you want to work for them or 90 days? You know, just, just, little, just little stuff like that she was telling me. I'm thinking, you know, you're right. You know, my phone is going to ring tomorrow. I was always afraid my phone was going to quit ringing. I didn't know if it was going to ring tomorrow when you're new in business, you know, is today, you know. And, and she says, it's going to ring tomorrow, Matt. There's, there's, if you don't get this job, there's going to be another one after it. You know, and if these people take 90 days of work to pay you, what do you want to work for him for? Call him up, get paid. So I did. I called that guy up and I said, listen, I don't get my money. You know, I said, if you don't, I said, we're out like 75 days. I said, come on. I said, if I don't get paid here pretty soon, I said, I don't know what I said. I'm going, I'm, 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 I'm going ahead. Of you. I'm going to go above you. And damn, I didn't have a check in a week. And Good for you. yeah. And then all from just, just Kelly, give me some confidence. And you know what? And after that phone call, I was like, the phone is going to ring tomorrow, and if I don't get this one, you know, so be it. There's going to be another one. So from that lesson there, back to that long explanation, the, that taught me I'm never doing that again. I'm never going to go out and do a bunch of work on account because it puts you in a cash. It makes you cash poor. Even though you can look at your books and you've got $15,000 on receivables or whatever it is, if you're not depositing anything that week, you feel you're cash poor, you know, until you build your business up enough where you can absorb it. But I got my business built up where I have 
I could, that job that I was freaking out about, I think it was a $5,500 job. It, I don't care. That would not affect me today like it did then, you know. But because of that, I, and the reason why it wouldn't is because I go out and I book people that pay me every day. Because I got my upholster down there working. Most of the time she's doing stuff that I'm billing out, you know, for commercial clients. You know, and then I do a lot of commercial, like, for instance, Flex Deal's cool, like I told you before. They pay me every week. But when I bill out furniture stores, the way these, all these furniture stores work, they'll pay you when they get paid, when they get their credit. You know, a lot of them are pretty good. They'll pay you every 30 days. But, you know, so I'm carrying that. So I go out and do people that pay me every day. So I've always got money coming in. I always, like, try to cover payroll, cover my upholster's payroll. You know, there's always – the bills don't stop coming in. So – and ever since then, I've, it just really works out. And then another thing about always having cash coming in is it gives you, when you're not feeling cash poor, and, you're, and, 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 you know, and I always tell this to even people that, you know, prospective franchisees or whatever, you know, it's mm-hmm. like when you operate from, you know, you're not working hand to mouth and you've you got just a little bit of cushion in the bank, you, you put some money in your savings account, you know, even if it's 100, just throw a little something in there. You know what? And it gives you the confidence to, to get the price you should be getting. Gives you some swagger, right? And not, gives you, yeah. it, well, it gives you a little bit of swagger, but, but it also it's like, hey, you know what? It goes back to that, I'm, I'm okay if I don't get this one. And I guess that could right. translate into swagger, maybe a little cockiness, but you don't want to appear that way, but it's like, Hey, you know what? I'm good. You know, and if I don't get this one, I'll get the one. I'll get the one later today that calls or tomorrow. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. just all that stuff together. I'm telling you, I, I it, it completely turned my business around. Good for you. So let's just replay again. So that was at about the six month mark, and at that point, when you started changing your philosophy on on booking jobs and 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 you know going after cash and whatnot. It, how soon did that kind of swagger factor kick in? Like, was it a another month after that where you started to? Yeah, it was quick. It was quick. Okay, I'm curious what you started doing immediately. What was the first thing that you did? Price and jobs where they should be. Okay, so you upped your prices. Up my prices, and okay. and not worried about and not worried about my not worried about my you know I didn't wor- I wasn't worried about losing the job over price. I was still nervous, but I felt I felt better. You know, it's, okay. it's, it's something that time, that, that time, it, it, I, I tell you, my father-in-law was in business for 45 years. He's a porter paint dealer and well-respected, very successful. You know, you wouldn't think he'd have a care in the world, you know, and I never would make a move. I just respected man so much. And, uh, I, I would never make a move without talking to my father-in-law, uh, even before I was in Fiverr New, either rather be buying this, doing this, what do you think? Even buying fiber new, and uh, when it was time to do that, and he um, shortly after the six months or eight months or whatever year, I was you know I was doing better, and, and I said his name was Mel. We were out there barbecuing or frying fish or something. He's at the house, and I go, man, I said, man, I go, I'm doing good. I said, but man, I got a, such a pit in my stomach. He goes, I've had a pit in my stomach for four years. Okay, <laughs> it just goes, you know, it just goes hand in hand with being a business owner a little bit. You got to just overcome mm-hmm. it. There's always, because you're responsible for yourself. Nobody else is. Are you driven by that pit, Matt? Like, is it, is it part of how you operate, I guess? I'm driven. always there. You know what drives me? It does. That, that's probably part of it. But drives me is, is the fear of failure. 
Okay. It's always has. Always has. I don't know if that's good or bad, but pride gets in there. You know, mm-hmm. you fail, that hits your pride. It just, well, I want to provide for my, you know, I want to be able to let my kids do, you know, not spoil them, but, you know, do what they want to do. My daughter plays volleyball. You know, I don't want to on a down trip and not worry about or if I can afford it or be a, a stress or what have you. You know, it's just, yeah. you know, I got four brothers. Maybe it's part of my, my culture. My, I got four older brothers, and we all grew up. My dad was self-employed. You know, they're all successful. So we're all successful. Maybe we all play off each other. You know what I'm saying? If, if, sure. If, <laughs> you don't want to be the you don't want to be the lone failure. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't, it's just the fear of failure is, you know, pride and, and the fear of failure drive me. Yeah, exactly. And then, then once you start, once you get over that, and it's still there, but then you start making some money, then it's like you want to make some more. You know, then that starts driving you. You're like, then you know. It becomes fun, right? I, I, it becomes fun. You're making some money. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I remember, I still remember this day. Um, I, uh, I did my ride along with Chris Pierce. And it's funny how you look back, and it's it's uh, went up to Iowa, and and spent the day with Chris when I was you know doing my validation. He 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 was slick. He was doing some car lots. Just he was so good at it. And and uh, come back and he's saying, "What is the prices he's getting?" And, and you know he told me what he did that day. And so I get back that night. I, I still remember this like it was yesterday. I get back that night from Iowa, and I walk in my door. I told my wife, I said, heck, all I need is three car dealerships. <laughs> this is all we need. We're good. You know? <laughs> because I looked at the, what you could do. And, you know, nowadays, so, you know, it, I think in my mind, I was thinking if I could do, you know, back when I was first in business, I was thinking, you know, $10,000 to $500 a day was my goal. If I got to $10,000 a month, I was golden. I mean, okay. I, I, I don't know what I could ask for anymore, working around my house. I'm thinking, that's, this is sweet if I could do that. Seriously, that was my goal. Your original goal was, was ten grand a month, and um, how's that played out to where you're at today? I, I'd tell my wife, even when we go out and have a drink, I said, man, it's still today. I'm thinking, can you believe where we're at today? <laughs> From when our, one of my original goal was $500 a day, 10000 a month. I mean, we do, we do twenty eight to 30000 a month now. You're at a point where it's consistent, right? Because you, you just it's, it's very consistent. repeat business. I'd be quite honest with you. I turn down more work than I take. Okay. And is because, that, um, you know, oh, well, it, we it, talked it, about it in the past or over, over the course of years, and, and I've called Fiber New, and that's, you know, bounce stuff off you or Kelly or, you know, Al, my mentor about a technician and, and this and that. But, you know, it's, it's, like, it's kind of like everybody steers their business in a different direction, okay? And, and I've, I've, I feel like I've cultivated a, a high-end clientele, okay. you know, and, and, and they like, they'd like to use, they want me to show up there, okay? They have a trust factor with me. They trust what I say. They know I'm going to do a good job for them and they don't really even ask a price, you know, and I'm fair about that too. Just because someone doesn't ask me a price doesn't mean it's a green light for me to gouge them. I don't, you know, and, and, and I worry about a technician, but that's me probably. It's probably a shortcoming here, but I, I worry that I lose my personal relationship I have with my clients. So okay. that being said, I, I got a lot of those like that. Now it's something's got to be pretty substantial or, 
are, you know, I don't know if this is the wrong way to say this, but I want to go out and make a lot of money on something easy in a really short amount of time. But, you know, I mean, who doesn't want to gear their business? And I'm not saying every, every job I do is a home run. You know, mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's sometimes like, I'm more like today. Today wasn't a big money day for me, but tomorrow will be. Or, the, you know, I'm, I got, you know, five appointments tomorrow, seven appointments on Friday. You know, and, okay. then, you know, and I don't do analytics like crazy. You know, even with my upholster, that'll drive you crazy. And, you know, it's like at the end of the month, I'll finish at 28 to 30,000. I don't, you know, just like with my poster, I don't look at each individual job and break down how much money I made on her on that job. Okay. Of course, I got to pay attention to her. Oh, I got to pay attention to me. So it helps me when I'm bidding. Like, oh, man, yeah, took that one too cheap, you know. Right. But in the big right. scheme of things, you know, so it's not like I, I got my head stuck in the sand. I'm not paying any attention. I'm just, you know, just throwing out numbers. Or sometimes you have to. There's always going to be a first. There's, there's, there's a lot of times it's going to be the first time you learn. Sometimes you do good. Sometimes you don't. And you'll know the second time. What I know about you, you're, you're more concerned about focusing on the flow of money than you are analyzing how you're getting it. Is, is that a fair assessment? Yeah. I, I, okay. I, I kind of I want to hit 28 to 30 every month. And that, that means I got to maybe grab a couple. Maybe, maybe all my buddies weren't calling me. All my personal contacts and relationships weren't rolling in as much as I wanted to that month. Well, you know, yeah. then I might grab some jobs. I otherwise, you know, I'm not saying I'm, you know, I don't do anything, but I just don't do any no-win jobs. And, and if you're in this business, you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, I did them all. You know, I just had the luxury now to kind of do a little picking and choosing. You know, I dropped my AdWords about four, what, I don't know, maybe back in July. I, I just, it was kind of that, you know, a lot of leaps of faith in this business. I just, I could always pick it back up, but, you know, I, I just, with my commercial and, and, and residential clientele that I have um, and the referral business I have going on, um, I, I, you know, I haven't really missed a beat. And like I said, I, I, I think I'm going to have a slow month and all of a sudden I got a flurry of activity and I, and I, and I get a bunch of stuff out the door or I, I got a, you know, I got a lot of big ticket items coming up that last, and then I somehow managed to hit it. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and, 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 and thanks to our, uh, uh, November, we, well, that was a short month, really, because you really missed two days for Thanksgiving. No one's doing nothing on Friday. And pretty much Wednesday shot, too. So you really kind of missed three days because people are pretty much, it's like Christmas time. People are just checked out that week. They're just checked exactly. out. And it's yeah. about the same thing on, on, on the Tuesday or Wednesday, really the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So in, I think, uh, November, was probably my second best month with short days. Wow. Even with a, almost a whole week on. Good for you. But yeah, that's why you look at it. Yeah. So I just don't, I just don't, like I said, I don't, I don't, I don't always just look at the numbers every day and drive you freaking crazy. Just, just, just book the appointments, get decent prices, go out and get to work, do the work, collect it, and just keep your head down, keep working, and the rest takes care of itself. That's my model. <laughs> so that's the way good, I operate. Good advice, don't uh, don't stress about it. Just just get out and get busy. Get busy. Yeah. Just yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, who cares if you're making the? Uh, who cares if you're making ninety three percent or ninety one percent? You're still making a lot. You know. It's just... <laughs> okay. Here's a question: Of the twenty eight thousand to thirty thousand per month that you do, what's the split between what I'll call traditional fiber new work and work on the upholstery side? Let's see. I would say probably seventy thirty. 75 are new because like I was telling you before, it's hard to put that in the numbers exactly because it's not that cut and dry. Oh, yeah. You're, you're, that's right. I forgot you don't analyze. But <laughs> I guess I should have asked you. <laughs> <laughs> what, is your, what is your guess? No. You should have <laughs> well, 
it's not, I mean, I can, I'm just meaning that there's sometimes she's doing something that doesn't even have anything to do with fiber new as far as, you know, dying or something, or, you know, there's a lot of times she might be in a restaurant booth or she's doing medical tables. That's strictly her, you know, but then there's a lot of times where what I'm doing, what counts as my fiber new revenue would be, I'm coming in with a back of a lazy boy recliner that's got a, a you know saturated head oil and a hole in it that I have to break down. She has to, you know, I'm still going to be redying it, you know, put it back together, but she's got to sew it in. Or, or I'm coming in with the dog just completely destroyed the cushion. I mean, it can't be fixed, you know. And or they let it go so long where it just the die's not going to hold, you know. And we throw an option out there, hey, let's replace the panel. So back to where, you know, I do some in the morning, take it apart, give it to her. So some of the fiber new revenue, she's part of, you know, if that makes sense. So, okay. sure. uh, you know, I would say probably 70, 30. There's about 30% of the time she's doing is just something strictly that, that doesn't require me. So in pure numbers, it's, it's like 20K fiber new, 10K upholstery. And we're talking roundabout here, unscientific. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Can we just talk a little bit about your continued learning and, and your philosophy towards that? How are you always learning? Well, and I think we talked about that before. Is you know, I was a bricklayer before this, and, right. and when you when you get in this business, rather you're whatever you're coming from as a background, you know, you most people have been doing it for a while, and you're very comfortable with it, and it starts to become second nature for you. And also, right. you, you know, you're, you're buying your own business, and you you you're back to an, being an apprentice again. And what I what I always think about is back when I was an apprentice, when I was a bricklayer. Sure, I was learning. Was I struggling? Of course, you know, we're learning the, the skill and and what have you. But I was working next to somebody all the time. You know, you know, they used to call you kid. Listen here, kid, do it like this. You know, you're doing it wrong, kid. <laughs> and you know, and you know, now it's just like. When you, you know, especially I was the only, I was the first one here, you know, so I didn't, I couldn't go spend any time with a neighboring franchise. And was, even though as good as the training was at Fiber New and they gave you the tools and, you know, yeah, I can come home. You just really, just re, all you're really working on is perfecting it a little bit and, and, and learning the color. And then you just, then speed comes. And it's the same thing you used to tell us in Brick Lane. You know, you always want to be the, you, you know, like, slow down, kid, speed comes. I've heard that, boy, I've heard that once, I heard it a thousand times when I was an apprentice bricklayer. But there's nobody lean on here. Not that's not a knock against Fiber New. It's just that I, I'm a visual guy, and you know I just want someone to validate what I'm doing. Six months, a year, two years later, whatever. Or, or, or when I want to break into a new field, I don't know much about. So I do read the tech library every day. I don't comment a lot. I, you know I, I should probably comment more. Um, but I, 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 there's not a day I don't read it. Sometimes in the morning and in the evening, I, I'm interested in people's posts and and. And what they had to say, and if, you know, it was something I see that, nah, yeah, I've had that same question, you know. So I follow this, you know, that's why I get on it. I do follow the answers people throw out there. So that's part of my education. And then, and then when I was wanting to get into the medical, you know, start calling some hospitals, people can tell. <laughs> you know, you can bluff your way for a little while. It don't take you too long to figure out if you don't know what you're talking about. So I spent the day with the with the Setons. You know, I wanted to go and, and learn is because they're doing KU, uh, that's Kansas uh, University Hospital, and um, doing a ton of work and, and just doing all kinds of 
I, I really like those guys. We get along great. And if I'm ever in the area, I go visit them. So I called up Ryan Suzette and I said, hey, guys, I want to I come up, go to the hospital with you. I want you to show them the engineering department is where you made your contact. Or I think there, theirs was like the bio department or something. And, and I said, I want to know, go around and, and learn the proper names. I want to learn some, some manufacturer's names of the, the furniture you're working on. And, and, you know, basically, I found out that when you're going and making a sales call, if you can identify the problems before they tell you, they feel like you've been there, done it before. Even though I may never have, but if I'm like, oh, yeah, that, you know, Medmark uh, you know, sleepers, you know, chair, they get, they, this happens to them. And, and we do, or, you, know, you start identifying the stuff that wears out on them. You know, and, they, and, and just that's why I went up and did that with the Seatons is I wanted to learn names and, and, and okay, what goes wrong? What is your biggest deal with this chair? Or what, what are you always doing? So when I did go on and make some sales calls, I knew what I was talking about. Even though you, you've never done this repair, you don't know exactly what <laughs> Even though I've never done one in my life. <laughs> but you, you know how to Back to my, that, you know, stuff always happens for a reason throughout your life. And I remember back when I was a bricklayer, you know, I was young and, you know, I'd go up against an older superintendent of, a, you know, the general contractor. And, and I didn't do anything wrong, but he would just, you know, I, I just look back. I can't remember one particular instance, but you just find yourself rambling, explaining, and, and they don't say nothing. So you just, the silence is awkward. So you just keep rambling, you know what I'm saying? I learned just, I just sit down there and just, I, you know, I just sit there and shut up and look back at them now. You know, we'll just have a stare off, you know, because you got to learn when to stop selling too. You know what I'm saying? That's where that point of that was. You just, you can go in and wow them a little bit, but then back off and let them, sometimes they'll just let you hang yourself. That's the way I do that too. I just, I don't oversell. It's going to kind of identify the problems. This is, I know what's happening with these type of pieces. This is what we can do for you. This is what you got. Two ears, two eyes, and one mouth used proportionally. That is a right. very good saying. You, you know, pick up a little something from everybody. You know, the scenes are the whole reason I hired an upholster. They gave me the confidence to do that and just make the, make the jump. I, I called Ronnie before that. I still remember it. I, I called him and I, you know, just like I call you, I called him. I'll talk for three or four times, but when it's like I'm ready to do something, I want to go now, you know, and I could talk about it for a year, but when I finally make up my mind, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm ready. And this gal became available and, and I'm thinking, heck, I'm already paying rent down here in my place. You know, mm -hmm. it's not going to cost me. It's like I got to go rent a spot for her. I'm already doing that. The base I got to do is put up a wall and put a drop ceiling in, you know, spend two grand. I could have her a nice little, you know, a little shop here. And I, at that time, I was thinking, as long as I cover salary and, you know, if I can make a couple grand a month off of her, you know, I looked, I they have pay my rent. So now all of a sudden I've got a place for rent free. I, I, I you know, I think small, and I, you know, and, uh, on the stuff like that. So that's, that was really my goal. That's back to like my $500 a day goal is like, Hey, let's get enough work coming in and, and, and try to make pay, cover her salary and cover my rent and all my utilities. And I'd be happy. And, uh, but, uh, so I, she came available and so I called up Ronnie and he's like, do it, Matt. He goes, you won't regret it. He says, it's one of the things where the chicken or the egg, you know, it's like, right. You kind of got to put her in there and the work will come. You know, you can't always wait. You know, it's, it's I can't have all the work and then try to find somebody. It just seems like when you, when you do do, you make that move. And, and me and Linda, we laugh about it. We, we get along. She doesn't work for me anymore. She just left about two months ago. But we, 
we still friends and we left on good terms and I got a new girl named Julie now, but <laughs> I remember calling Linda up being nervous as heck. I'd be like, do you want to come to work for me? And she's like, yeah, she goes, I, I'll be willing to talk. And, and we met and I go, now let's just, I said, we'll just start out like, you know, two days a week, you know, <laughs> two days a week. Baby steps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're, you're selling yourself on it as much as you are her at this point, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I just don't want to overpromise. Yeah. Well, by the time, by time I met her and told her two days a week, I picked up a huge job. And she started 40 hours plus a week from day one. And we, we, she wow. goes, it's every so often, she'd be like, two days a week, huh? You know? But, you know, but I just look back like, what if I didn't hire her? And I got that job. Then I've been screwed, you know? So it's like, back to me, you just got, sometimes you got to go for it. You got to have some faith. Stuff's going to work out. Because I don't take that stuff lightly. I'm not going to, I'm going to hire somebody. I want to make a decent living and I want to be able to make sure they stay busy. I'm not, I don't, you know, I'm not going to hire for my benefit for a month and get rid of somebody. And then when I get some more work, I'll try to find somebody. That's not the way I do it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm slow moving there too. But, but never did look back. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It put some different energy in your business and, and really changed things for you. Just taking that leap of faith. Well, just, yeah, that, and just, just little things like having someone at your shop all day, mm-hmm. you know, not that I really targeted walking, but man, we get a lot of walk-in because I mean, I probably had a lot of walk-in before but my door was always locked. I basically just used it as a, as a shop. Like I said, I didn't care about having a uh, walk-in or exposure, but People got to know that we were there, and I'm right on the road, and Linda was there all day long, and, and people could bring stuff by and drop it off. It's just a little bit more professional. And, yeah, um, yeah it, just, it just was a, it, it, a, a simple as you get a UPS delivery. <laughs> right. I didn't have to come back and have a tag on my front door, you know. She right. could sign yeah. for stuff, you know, because when, when you're doing a lot of upholstery, you got, you got material coming in a lot. Fabric, especially, even though I could buy it locally, most of the stuff's never in stock. You got to order it in a direct ship. It just worked out. No, no regrets on that at all. Let's talk about your office operation a little bit. So you have a part-time administrator who comes in and, and helps you with some tasks. Can you just explain that a bit? Mm-hmm. Yep, I got Terry. Um, you know, I, when I first started out, I didn't do this. You know, my wife is a school teacher, and she would come down. I was running QuickBooks. Um, Pro, which is your desktop version. And so I was writing paper tickets. And so my Kathy'd come down and I'd, I'd come in from the day and I'd throw my tickets down and then she'd manually enter them. And we just did everything ourselves, billing, phone calls, just did everything. And then as the business started going more and more, she kind of backed off a little bit because we got three kids. She's busy. You know, at that time, my, my youngest, when I got in this business, she's only 10 and they, you know, so this, a lot going on there. And then, so then I just started, uh, then I'd have uh, not a family member, she's a CPA, she'd come in and start doing our books for us, Mariah. And and then all of a sudden, I think I talked to you, oh, what, a year ago, and I was like, hey, Jesse, I want to be able to do this, this, and this, and this. Like, I want to be able to build a database for my clients. I want to be able to send electronic invoices. I want to be able to do this or whatever you go. I get, and I'm like, can you can you incorporate that somehow? And you're like, oh, it's already done. Uh, just get QuickBooks Online. And so then I switch over to QuickBooks Online, and then that's really been sweet. And then uh, 
then now also then in the last year ago I hired Terry now to come in every Wednesday. She comes in about for three or four hours and she just she she does all my de- I only do deposit once a week. They just pile up here and I do just so she she records my payments, she makes my deposit. Um when I get inundated with phone calls Every so often, not I'll have I'll put ten or fifteen people down there for her to call for me, and you know more more warranty stuff than people who's going to ask me a bunch of questions. Um, more like hey, like I told you, they sent me that work order over just so she'll just schedule appointments for me. Um, she deals with my CPA. Um, she she basically does everything. I I don't do anything like that pretty much. Like today, I came home for what to say Wednesday. I come home. I even have her print checks out when I got paid. So if I got checks printed out, I need to sign them. She has them uh, addresses on the envelope and does everything. How do you pay yourself right now? Are you an employee of the company? Just explain all that. I am. Do that. I am. Um, I pay. I pay my pollster every week. Okay. I pay Terry once a month, and I pay me. I pay myself every two weeks. And I do that every two weeks is, I could probably do it every week now, but back then, you know, um, it just, every two weeks, um, rides the highs and lows of cash flow. Sure. So, um, I, 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 I don't know. I just pay myself on the first and the 15th of every month. Yep. I'm an employee. I get paid, you know, pay, get a paycheck. Well, what's cool about QuickBooks online is I run a, they got an add on, which is a payroll service as well um if, if for an additional fee of course but the um uh, the uh, it's great though i mean it, pay, it it does everything for me and it does direct deposit i don't even write paychecks really i just put them on mine and, they, and everybody gets direct deposit even me it's all seamless that's great so we, we talked about you take yeah we talked about you taking a, a salary out of the business and then also paying yourself dividends as well is that correct that's correct that's okay. correct. Um, you know, you, you, you start. You start. Everybody's looking. You know, we, we're doing. We're doing good here, and so we pay ourselves a generous salary. And then, um, but there's a point where my CBA is like, okay, stop, stop. <laughs> okay, let's get to this point, and then then let's start pulling out dividends. You know. Okay. Um, you, there's 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 a, there's a balance, and I don't know what it is, but you don't want to be too heavy one way or the other. You know, you may be, okay, you're, you're good, Matt. Let's do about 80-20. You know, let's okay. do about 80% and 20% dividend or whatever. You know, I don't know what it is. Again, you know, I just, hey, can I, Mike, I'm going to write this. Is that cool? <laughs> you know, whatever. That's, that's the extent of my involvement there. But, um, you know, yeah, so I pay myself. Um, I take dividends to pay for, um, I, like I said, draw salary. But I also, I also lease me and my wife um, to kind of, uh, help with the tax situation. I, I, you know, I could pull in, it's basically income for me, but it, it's also a, de- a deduction. So I lease, I lease both of my vehicles. The company pays my health insurance. My wife's covered from her work, but me and the three kids aren't. So I it pays my health insurance. It pays fuel for everybody. It pays for all of our cell phones. It pays for a lot of our entertainment going out. Um, you know, you gotta be smart about it, but I know I'm not a cheat or anything. But I, I, I maximize the benefits of being a business owner for sure. The internet in my house, you know, it pays for that. I pay for, you know, because I'm using the Wi-Fi for my home office, you know. So mm-hmm. um, I do as much as I can. And then my kids go to, you know, I got tuition due. 
or, you know, taxes on my house. So then I pull out dividends for myself to pay for that, you know, or just to make an investment or, or buy some money when I bought this property or whatever. So yeah, that's the way I do it. Okay. So here's a question for you circling all the way back. Let's say you're at day one of your business, knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself? Yeah, kind of, kind of a recap of what we talked about a little bit. You know, I wouldn't, you know, well, one thing a lot of people worry about when they're new, and I did too, is we're going to make this thing go. I don't yeah. know if that's right or wrong to say, but that's in everybody's mind. You know, mm-hmm. they just, they're not working in a new place. Back to, like I said, where you're basically an apprentice again, so you kind of got that that butterfly in your stomach of really you're in a whole new industry and you're, you're, you're really not an expert, you know, even though you went to training, I mean, you can do the repairs, but not like you were in your previous job, you know, so that you're kind of fighting that. And, you know, hindsight being what it is, you know, that's don't dwell on that too much. Um, probably I would do different. I would probably, not now, and I don't. I don't want to generalize this for everybody because what works in one market, from maybe marketing standpoint or something, doesn't work sure. in another. You know, it's you know. So some stuff that I did, I spent some time and money on um, chasing one particular thing. I probably now I wouldn't do. Now looking back, um, I would probably be more focused. I didn't give a lot of. Uh, uh, I probably gave up on on the car market too too soon. I think one thing is um, stay after it more. I don't know about I, I was I didn't have a salesman background, okay, and, and I got a whole new appreciation for salesmen, especially when they're starting out in their career, because you got to be thick-skinned. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, when you come back and I, you know, I mean, you're, you're starting a new business, you know, and and, and, and and the thing I found out about Fibernew is <laughs> there's so much work out there. It just you just got to tap the right spots to get it. But you don't know that when you're brand new, and you know you go out and you you're new and you you know you just invested money and you're you need to make some income and you got all that weighing on it and you don't knock on the door and you don't get immediate gratification by like you know you're wanting them to say yeah come on in I got a six hundred dollar job can you do it now you know that doesn't happen you know and and that's what you're wanting to happen but it doesn't happen and but it will. You know, you know, you kind of plant the seed, and that's why I say you got to keep going back. But, um, but you come home at the end of the day, and you just feel, you just feel. I did anyway. I couldn't do it all day. I'll be quite honest with you. You know, um, I just couldn't do it all day. I would feel. I would take it personal, is what it is, and you can't. And that's where that's where salesmen. You know, I, I got a whole new appreciation for them. No, I didn't really hear. No, I just didn't hear. Hey, yeah, I I didn't get a job out of it. I did eventually. You know, not every place, but I, I, I had a body shop that I called on, and he, two years later, he calls me. I go, and I remember, I go, oh, my God. And I go, Hi. he goes, I still had your card, and you came in that one time and dropped it off. <laughs> that kind of gave me a whole new, a whole new, you know, well, maybe everybody didn't throw it away, you know. It did. It was really kind of a boost, really. It made you feel good. That, okay, maybe everything wasn't for nothing. But, 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 but with the cold calling, you know, uh, AdWords is huge. I don't think I would have changed that. That's a good thing I wouldn't have changed. That was a huge builder of my business. I think I, you know, a lot of they're all nervous, and and I didn't probably know this. It's kind of common sense now. I'm saying it, and maybe people do know it, but I just always feel like you treat people how you want to be treated. 
mm-hmm. as a customer, and you just go out and I'm I'm not trying to gouge people. Um, and we talked about in the past. Um, I just just try to go out and do a, a nice job at, at, at a fair price where you're going to make some good money, and mm-hmm. and man, the rest takes care of itself. Referrals start to roll in about year two after you do that. You just got to get to there. And okay. um, I was concentrating on that airplane. You know, you start to get focused on one market when you're brand new too. You know, you start you start getting a little bit of work there, and you kind of get blinders on. You know, because that's also that that gets to be your comfort level. But then also that could dry up. So just I just I just hit everything and and I loved your baseball analogy about focusing on on singles and doubles are fine, you know and 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 we talked about it last week where the the most winningest ball teams that's what they do consistently it's consistent singles and doubles and if we apply that analogy to our business it, it, it goes a long way and then every once in a while have those triples and home runs those big jobs um, to to really pad your bank account but the cash flow is the singles and doubles and the odd triple exactly yeah it's a I great mean, analogy I, I read i read exactly i read i read some i read some stuff good or bad you know on the on the tech library and and i and you know as far as like well they're not going to do this for that i'm thinking well why not you know i mean are you that busy that's what i'm thinking to myself okay and you know and Sometimes you got to go out and do something, and to realize that was too cheap, or eh, actually, I made good money on that job. You know, you got to go out and do something, and you know, I know we got a price guy we follow, and and I'll be quite honest with you, when I first came into Fiber and I read and I read that that price sheet, and I was like, huh, I wish, you know, that was that was really my, you know, because of my non confidence and afraid my phone wasn't going to ring or, you know, all that stuff. You just didn't and believe I was it. giving away work. Just didn't believe it. I, I, a perfect example. I'm doing a sofa. I don't even really want to do it. It's a color change. And it's probably cheap by fiber new standards. It's an easy one. It's tight leather. It's not a pillow top and all that stuff. So it's pretty easy. But I, try, I basically try to talk her out of it. But 1200 bucks. I'm thinking, you, you know, whatever. She called me back. She goes, okay, when can we do that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, seriously? Oh, but, but I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it for that reason, but, but the point of that story is you can get those prices, but those are home runs on a lot of those bigger jobs. Do you think a lot of it, Matt, is having the confidence just, just to state it, that have, have the confidence to throw the price out there, be quiet, and wait for the customer to come back? Yeah, I tell people. I told her when she called me the other night. I talked on her phone for 25 minutes. And I was like, okay. uh, Peggy, what do you think? And when people ask me that question, I'm thinking, well, Peggy, it's not really up to me. I said, I'm never going to hard sell you. you know, I, this, but I will tell you what people, some of the things to consider. Uh, what I hear from people who spend money, you know, who make this type of investment to their, their furniture is like, you know, they just love the piece. You know, do you love the piece? I love the piece. You know, she's like, you know, they can't find they can't find anything else to fit the room, you know, or okay. you know, they went out they, they they can't find anything quite as comfortable, you know. Okay, well, you're selling. You know, I'm not hard selling you, but you, I'm just pointing out. I'm letting you point out all the, you know, everything you love about it. And I'll let you, I love to make the own decision because what I have found out, back to our overselling and hard selling and all that stuff. Is there an expectation level? When you go in and hard sell somebody, and you, you find yourself back to my 
back to my rambling, you know how you say I, I, when I was younger, I just, they'd just be quiet. I feel like I'm just rambling. You know, when you, you start to do that, when you're starting to sell people and people can sense when you're, they can sense desperation, especially when you're new. And then when you start rambling and promising this and we're going to do that, it's going to look probably, it's going to do that. You know, their expectation level all of a sudden went from, you know, <laughs> you know, in the middle to freaking off the charts, you know, yeah. and you're never going to make them happy, you know. So, you know, I don't, I, that's another thing I learned probably back to your original question, like what would you change different? That, I don't, I would never, I used to probably push hard sell maybe a little bit more, maybe over promise. And under really, it's supposed to be over, you know, under promise and over deliver, you know. But when you're over promise, it's hard to, you know, over deliver too, you know, because our expectation level is so high. I just, I just don't, I just don't do that. And back to your question, yeah, it, you know, it all ties hand in hand, you know, not working hand to mouth, um, having a confidence in your ability, which, you know, yeah, a little bit of swagger, like you said, maybe a little cockiness, but not cockiness, but hey, you know what? You know, just some confidence is really what you got to have. Because I'm telling you, they can, they, if you're not confident, you're shaky, you're not building confidence in them. And they smell it you on know, you. I just, they smell it, man. They can sniff it out. Yeah, exactly. But they can look at it at a different point as like, you know, because she called me today. Well, she texted me yesterday. She goes, Matt, I just left you. She goes, I want to, let's set this baby up. I said, okay, I'll, you know, said, okay, I'll text you tomorrow. You know, I said, I'll call you in the morning. By doing that, you know, she went out and she sat on some other furniture. I didn't build her up that this thing's gonna look perfect. I mean, it's gonna look nice, but I'm not. I'm not keep overstating that. And you know, she went out and she sat on. I pointed. You know how I told you we pointed out some what she liked about it, and she going out and she went to. I, you know, I even told her furniture stores to go to. You know, of course the ones I work for. You know, because I give them referrals too. And she, you know, and she goes, I just, I just can't find anything that I like as much as this one. So we're gonna go ahead and do it. Well, okay. Yeah, we'll pick it up on Friday. So that's a really um, that's a really good takeaway. I like that asking the customer what they like about the the piece. Right, I'm not hard selling them. Just let them point yeah. out what they like about it. Yeah, I like that. Or, or another but, another thing people do to me if you have people call you about foam. Oh, this couch is ten years old. We're thinking about some foam. You know, maybe it's you know whatever. And people appreciate honesty. I'm like, well, what, okay. So what what do you think you need some foam for? What's it doing? Oh, it's just getting 10 or 12 years old. I go, well, do you think we need new phone? I go, I don't, you know, I don't know. I said, <clears throat> is it still comfortable to you? Oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's still good. I go, it's not too soft. You just sink it out. No, no, it's not. I go, well, then, no, you don't need a new phone. It, it doesn't have an age limit on it. People generally say when they want new phone, it's too soft, especially when people start getting older. The elderly, mm-hmm. elderly people want firm because they can't get out of the sofas. You know, right. so if, it's, if, if all that, you know, and I, and I'll be quite honest with you, people respect that. They really do. You, you want to talk about building some credibility. Don't hard sell anybody and tell them they don't need it. Or I have people that I had a lady today. She just called me last night. So she's a, she's really wanting someone to come quick. Cause I called her back today, like at three o'clock and she is actually a referral from a uh, commercial account. She worked there. So I called her back today. She was, oh, I already got somebody. I go, what? It's already? You know? And, uh, and she says, yeah. And I said, well, who? I said, well, I said I don't, okay. I said, I never, I never have heard of him, but I'll say. And I said, well, send me some pictures. I'll look at it. Well, this thing here, it was shot. It needed to have panel replacement. I mean, it was, the lawler was gone. And this guy was going to come and mm. repair it. You know, mm. I didn't tell her that. I was like, hey, you need panel replacements. Any repairs you do is going to be temporary. Mm-hmm. You know, she may not appreciate it now, but two hey, months you should get a call. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. 
So you're, you're, you're still being a resource. Even though you didn't get the work, you're, you're still offering value to the customer at that point. That's a good takeaway too. What do, you, what do you like best about owning and operating Fiber New St. Charles? I don't. I like not having to answer to anybody. Okay. That's kind of a. You always answer to somebody. Now you. Now you just answer to your clients. You know. I. I'd like the freedom. Like I, today. I like I said. I bought. I, you know. I'm pretty pretty pumped about the buildings I got and and um, I booked light this afternoon because I knew we were going to be down there. My brother is going to have his guys down there digging out my parking lot and putting rock and stuff in. And I was able to take off after my twelve o'clock and go down and spend the afternoon. You know. I was like, why can't I enjoy that? I can't, you know, why do, you know, when I built my house 10 years ago, I wasn't self-employed. I couldn't enjoy any of it. I didn't get to show up and watch them do anything. You know, I show up at the end of the day and whatever they did was done. You know, it just, it's, it's, it's fun being able to do that kind of stuff. I like just really the freedom's big time. Like my daughter plays volleyball. I don't miss any volleyball trips or, you know, my son's in college now. We go for, you know, on a Friday for, you know, take off to move them in or, or for parents weekend, we'll go up early or, you know, or, you know, all my kids are, and I don't want to sound anything sports and school related, but that's just the age my kids are. So that's kind of my life. But, um, or, you know, around here, they play all, they play sports and, you know, we we're a close bunch. All of our kids go to the same schools together, all of our friends. So, you know, we go out at, you know, get back at three o'clock. We might go to happy hour before a game. You know, it's just cool being able to have the flexibility and the freedom to do whatever you want. And I, and, you know, I just, people are hung up on, you know, I made $85,000 at my last job. I'm showing this number out. And, you know, now I'm only making, you know, making 65 for yourself is like making 85 for somebody else, you know, because you right. got so many tax benefits. So, you know, I just, I just like that. I like, I still like the bidding it and getting it. And, and, and I like, I thrive under pressure. I'll be quite honest with you when it comes to, um, I laugh about it with uh, with with uh, Julie or Linda when they either one of you know down to down in my office you know and I go yeah. I'm I'm running back there and I, I got her up redye this panel you know and uh, <clears throat> you know I go when do you think this is going out because they know me now you know, I'm I'm just jumping through you know in and out of that place and I go when do you think this is going out she goes about two hours I go yeah you got it I go they're gonna be you know or they love it when I call somebody and tell them their piece is ready I haven't even started on it yet. You know, I just, I just thrive under pressure. You know, I do that some as a joke because I know it's going to be an easy thing to do. And I got that infrared heater, but you're feeding the pits in your stomach when you do that, aren't you? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> the pits are saying, feed me, feed me. Things are feeling too normal. I need some pressure. Well, you got, you know what, but also, you know, I do do this, some of that stuff on purpose or sometimes I, I do completely overbook myself. It's not always funny, but, um, uh, I come home just like I'm screwed, but, um, but you kind of got to do that a little bit. Um, especially for people that aren't, um, I, and I, I'm guilty of it too. I feel like I, I'm a self motivator. I get up early and I go to work, but man, I tell you what, I can, I can check out with the best of them too when I'm just done. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. if I don't have a deadline or, you know, I got to get this done. I, I, you know, I've had this for a week and a half. I tell them it's going to be a week. I mean, if I don't have some sort of pressure, I do that on purpose because it helps me turn this, the work out. You know, we laugh and joke about the pressure and all that, but, but that, it can be a good thing. The, the pressure and stress, if, if you use it in the right way, it can be a good thing to, to drive, drive you personally and drive you. Personally. It drives. And I think that's, yeah. Exactly. Okay, last thing I'm curious about is your five-year and ten-year outlook from, from this point forward? Man, I don't know. I just, 
I just, it's got to be, you know, every, every year I do this, I'm thinking, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> you know, I look at my, that's a, that's a cool thing about QuickBooks Online is I can chart. You know, I'm not into uh, analytics like you said, but I tell you what I am into is um, profit and loss. <laughs> okay. Expenses right. versus uh, revenue. Or, or, or when I or when I do my monthly when I do my monthly uh, back to where I don't over analyze every little job at the end of the month I can do expenses by month and income by month okay. and I got my little bars and I want my my in, my um, sales to be way higher than my expenses you know and there's certain times of the month where I'm 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 on a negative but I, it's just because I you know most of my expenses hit my me in my first 15 days mm-hmm. you know. So I'm always like, if I can just tread pretty close, not too far, and then, then it's just the last 15 days is all gravy. I'm, I almost don't have any expenses come out against my income the last 15 days of the month. But, but I try to increase that every year. You know, I, back to the QuickBooks thing, I can see what I did in 2010 and 2011. I just wanted to look like steps going up. You know, I'm probably at the point now where I'm not going to be going up anymore unless I get somebody um, because we're really okay. doing about as much work as we can possibly do. And I'm even raising my prices, but I just hope in five years that I mean I'm just still having fun and and this is this is a very profitable business. Um, you know, I could see myself stepping away from it, and you know, maybe I don't know. I'm 47. I don't know. It's it. You know, it's it's different now because it's back to my wife. She's like, you know, she would. You know, you what what sucks about life sometimes is like you wish you could just like have enough money or you could like reverse your working time, like not work when you have kids, you know, right. When you're really busy and then, right. and then work when your kids are gone, you know, right. <laughs> work the second half, you know? So, but it's, it's like after your kids are gone, cause we're facing it now. My, my oldest is 21. He's going to get ready to move out. My other one's basically moved out. He's in college nine months out of the year. And my daughter's, you know, 16 and it goes by like that. And, you know, so I, I tell my wife, I said, okay, so they're all gone. What are you going to do? You know, you got to, you know, you hear about people being bored. So, you know, right, you know, my mindset could be different in seven years. You know, right now it's like, yeah, I'd love to slow down a little bit, you know, maybe cash out one day and, you know, do something, you know, maybe some rental property or, or something like that. But right now, um, really just stay focused. I try not to get too far out. I just, right now I'm just getting my kids through college and school and, Keeping keeping it going right now, like I'm doing. I, I don't I don't I know that's probably not the answer you want to hear, but I don't look too far out. No, no, it, it actually is, and, and it, it just points back to the value of simplicity in your business. You know, focus on focus on the day to days, and, and focus on what matters every day, and and everything plays out positively. Right, and, uh, right. You know, I don't miss I, I don't miss any of my kids' stuff. I mean, all three of them. That's that's a cool thing. But other than that, I'm I'm, I'm working. I'm focused. I'm I'm driving myself. I'm trying to you know hit that twenty eight to thirty a month. It, it, I just don't I just don't look too far down the road. You know, even today. I mean, I don't ever take anything for granted. I really don't. I know I'm sitting there sounding. People might listen to this and oh, he's very confident or sounds. You know, I don't know. I hope not. But I don't take anything for granted. I still not as much as I did. Um, about the phone not ringing or what have you, but I just I just don't ever take it as a sure thing. That's probably another thing that drives me. Never take it as a sure thing, meaning never never get too comfortable. I guess never get too comfortable. Yeah, don't sit okay. back. Uh huh. Okay. Don't take your customers. You know, yeah, you know, 
I've got a pretty good, you know, you're going to have a good rapport or whatever built up with your, your clientele. And, you know, I'm friendly with a lot of them. We text and we joke and, and stuff like that, but they're going to put, you know, but you got to do the job too. You know, that, that stuff's only going to go for so long. So, you know, you, you can't sit back and, and take, really take advantage of, of a friendship you've developed or um, a customer you've been working for forever. Oh, they'll understand. They've been with me for four years. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. I just don't mm-hmm. take anything for granted. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point. Yeah, you're, it, it's an ongoing relationship, and relationships have to be nurtured and cared for, and it's, it's no different with clients. Right, you've got to respect them. You, know? you want them to yeah. pay you, they're expecting service. Because really what happens is, and, I, and I, I, I'm guilty of that sometimes too when I get too busy, and I told you the other day, it's like on, some, on some, one or two customers, I don't really know why they put up me sometimes. I, you know, but you've know, but, but but you got to look at it from their shoes. You know, they're trying to, you're basically, we are basically, especially when I'm doing service work for furniture stores, I'm their customer service department. They expect you to respond in a timely manner. Put yourself in the customer's shoes. You just spent $3,000 on a new sofa and love seat and it shows up and you got a scratch on the back of it and a tear. They want to hear somebody like pretty soon that you're going to fix it. And you just got to keep that in mind. You can't take advantage of that because it's the first person they're calling when they don't hear from somebody is the store, you know, and they get too many of them phone calls. They're going to start looking for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll recap one thing, Jesse, because I told you I'd think sure. of something later. It's all yours. <laughs> back when you said, back, back when you said, uh, one, one bit of advice I give people because you're so eager and it cost me a job. That story right there just reminded me of it. You only have one chance to make a first impression. Don't go do a job you're not ready for. It could cost you, but you could cost you that account forever, which, you know, I jumped out, did something that was a little complicated, uh, two times, you know, um, uh, is that a Culver's restaurant? I still remember that. I think, man, I could be doing all these Culver's. I can't get in any of them, you know, because I did, it was, it was just a way too big of a repair in a booth. It was like six inches, eight inches. It's like, it should never have been repaired, but I was new and I was eager and I, you know, so I wasn't ready to make a repair like that today. You know, today I could probably pull it off, you know, but then no. Okay. Or I did it. And then I I went down at a brand new boat that was tough, man. Oh my God. Today it would have been nothing. But I was new, you know, you know, so I I just use as, as a, also is just don't ever, don't go do a job you're not ready to do yet. Baby steps on that. Don't go um, do a really hard job, especially for a, you know, I think I've seen somebody put something on a tech library the other day on, on they're, they're asking about. Oh, it's a Panera, and they're in their market. I don't remember which market it was, and want to know. You know, this is their first job with them, and and they're seeking some advice on price and chairs. That's always tough too. You know, so you go in too high, you're not going to get any work. You may not. You may you may may jeopardize your. You know, and they were they were nervous, and and I I did email them separately. They they did to get the job with what they went in with, but but. I, I look back on those two things with the with that Culver's and then doing that. Um, that's a big boat dealership too by me too, and they won't ever they won't give me another look. And I, you know, from from me going in doing a trying to repair something on a brand new boat when I was brand new, I, I regret that to this day. <laughs> so, so in hindsight, do you think it was a was it a matter of maybe asking for more advice? Uh, yeah, probably. Probably. I mean, it, it, I look back and I was tough. such a simple repair, but I, yeah. 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 It, it's tough when you're starting out though, because you, you don't know what you don't know. 
you know, so you don't, knowing exactly, yeah, knowing the jobs to take and not take aren't aren't instinctual at that point. So, okay, right. That, that, that's a good anyway. that's a good story. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, I, I got to say this this talk was just as inspiring as the one we had last week. So the the retake was just as good, and and I really really appreciate your time. Thanks again, Matt. Have a good night. Bye, Jesse. You too. Cheers.